North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Hello again, Damien. G'day, Gary. How are you? I'm very well. You're winding down to the end of the year, okay? Uh, it's just another week or so, but uh, no, we're getting there. Yeah. Been an interesting year, but it's good to see the community in, in good spirits and good heart, and the lighting of the tree went well for you last week? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, it was good turn out. It was blim and cold, but uh, <laughs> yeah, people came out anyway, yeah. and the uh, yeah the sausage sizzle went really well. Very popular, getting some hot food in. So yeah, yeah, a few, quite a few ice creams sold too, though. Was it? Yeah. So it can't have been that cold. It was cold. Yeah. Kids don't mind. No, they eat ice creams anytime. Ah, uh, very good. Oh well, we we um, keeping our promise, and I think this may be the last, or this might be the first episode in the new year. Actually, the way. If my mass is correct, or it might be in between Christmas and New Year. Anyway, anyway. the podcast will go well. So we've kept our promise, haven't we? Well, I think we have. Yeah, the community. <laughs> Looking into the next few weeks of the future, we're trying to pre-record some of these so that yeah. um, we, we do well, have them dropping each week. So, so yeah. you and I cannot go away for Christmas is really the thing, isn't it? Well, you should be working on well, Christmas. Yeah, and after it's, that. It's your time. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. I'll let you introduce those guests. Thanks very much. Uh, once again, another interesting person, someone who's been very involved in the community in a whole lot of different roles. Um, yeah, so welcome, Claire Kearney. Great to have you here with us today. Thank you very much for the invitation. So we look forward to talking to you and uh, you know, know you've done a number of different roles. There's probably a, a number of other ones I'm not aware of, but uh, looking forward to finding out more about that. So we'll hand over to Damien to start things off. I like to know a little bit more about people, Claire. So I've met you in the community and some of the work you've done, and, and fantastic. We want to thank you for that. But first of all, where are you from? Are you a North Otago girl, or are you an import into our beautiful land? Well, this is, this is the uh, Omaru equivalent to the Christchurch question: What school did you go to? Yeah. <laughs> no, I am not a North Otago person by birth. Yeah. So I was born in Dunedin, went to school in Dunedin, and my husband is a, a true-born North Otago person. Uh, we shifted up here in late 80s, and so I'm nearly a local, yeah. I think. How many years does it take nowadays? Oh, now, no, well, it's definitely shortened down now. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it used to be 50 years, but yeah, it's, it, I'm pretty sure it's under 20 now. Is it? So oh, yeah, I'm a local then. You definitely yeah. are, Claire. Yeah. Tick. Yep, so well done. And Proud of that. But and you're right, it can be like that in North Otago, unless your father's father's father was born here, you can be seen as an outsider, but I think you're one of us, so you're fine. No, I think the community's changing so yeah. so much now and so relatively quickly, a lot of new people coming in and so on, and, and so, yeah, that changes perceptions and perspectives, yeah. so... But no, the, the wonderful thing about people who weren't born here is that you know, they've chosen to come here mm. and that's an even better thing. You know, yeah. It's a deliberate choice. We just look at Dunedin as North Otago South anyway, so <laughs> as we just claim it as ours. So tell us about growing up in Dunedin and hobbies and passions and schools. Oh, and right. Um, so uh, Catholic education, St Bridget's School, and then on to... St Philomena's, which doesn't exist now. There's a McDonald's on the site in South Dunedin, where my school was. Uh, became Murrow College and then, you know, ultimately blended with St Paul's and became um, Cabinet College. Um, so did all that. Oldest in a family of five. Lived in the suburbs um, every Christmas, summer holiday, um, any holiday that we could get, actually, we spent up at my mother's family farm at Beaumont. Um, so I kind of had the best of both worlds, really. And definitely Waverley in the 60s and 70s was free range for kids. You could go anywhere and and there was a big team of kids in our neighbourhood. So it was a great place to grow up. 
Yeah, those are the good old days. You can you Playing went the home when the streetlights went on, didn't you? Yeah. Was that the way? Yeah. <laughs> well, we used to think that our parents didn't know where we were, but all they needed to do was open a window and listen, and they could probably hear yeah. where we were. Yeah. <laughs> and um, on to university, or had, what happened there? Yes, yeah, so um, went to Lincoln College and um, just straight after school and did an ex-sci degree, agricultural science degree there, so it's four years, mm. and um, and graduated 84, majoring in farm management, dairy science and farm forestry. What was the reason why you went into that course? Yeah, well, that's a good question, straight out of convent school and yeah. to, to Lincoln College. <laughs> The ratio at the time was um, one to five, females to males. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was a bit wild west, really. But um, a great, a great little university. Well, it was a college then, a college of Canterbury University. Um, I liked the science aspect of it, really. And I had been thinking about going to Otago University, doing um, um, home science, so home economics. Um, and a lot of the science subjects, microbiology and, you know, those sort of things were the same. Uh, and just by chance in uh, the, the um, guidance counsellor's office, she had, Sister Deshantel, had a, um, a calendar for Lincoln University and I looked at, you know, just riffed through it and agricultural science looked really interesting. Mm. Never been there, arrived on the first day. But shell shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite a, quite a contrast because it, it would have been a very rural college back yes. then. Um, it's surrounded a bit more by housing and so on now. But yeah, it's um, yeah interesting choice. So mm. you you enjoyed it there as um, in the wild west. Loved it. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. So I was in a hostel for the first year and then flattered on campus for the the years subsequently, and made friends that you know still good friends today. And the interesting thing is a lot of the people that I went through university or college with, they all pop up in the agricultural and horticultural industry now, the leaders and around right? the place. So it's, yeah. it's you know, it's, a, it's such a 1,200, 1,500 students, you know, yeah. you're going to know a lot of people. Before that, was there any pressure to become a sister or a nun or anything like that? <laughs> or was that, that was never a pathway? You, you clearly understand the Catholic school system. <laughs> well, it's just a question. Uh, yeah. Well, no, Sister DeShonda was pretty good. Yeah. But the, the, the general trend was for people to go to um, a Tiger University. Not many kind of went away from town. But I just felt that if I stayed at a, ta- an, a Tiger University, I was kind of staying in a comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduated and went off to work? Went off to work. I worked as a farm advisor for MAF, and my first posting was in Gore. Um, and that was fantastic too. The tender age of 23, I was out talking to farmers about what they were doing and running discussion groups and things. And, of course, that was a tough time. The, um, as soon as we kind of got into the workforce, SMPs went off lambs and then the interest rates started to rise and uh, it started to get really difficult for the rural community. So that was like deep in a learning curve then. Yeah, it would have been a very tough time, especially down south, you know, around Gore, where everything is reliant on the farming and a bit like here as well, I guess. So did it, um, like, I guess there's two questions. One is, you know, how were the, the farmers um, reacting when this young woman turned up to tell them how to do their farming, <laughs> and secondly, you know, did it did it actually make the job more important, more crucial? Because you know, farmers were needing to look at how they how they change their practices. Yeah, um, about being a young woman, I think probably young is was probably the the biggest um, impediment mm-hmm. rather than being female. I think you know, farmers and farming couples. Most farmers have got mothers, sisters, daughters, wives who are all working. They know what women can do in agriculture. So in general, um, I had no problems with farmers. Stock agents (laughs) at the time, a whole different story. But um, I think it was uh, 
most most of the people that I worked with really enjoy and were stimulated by having somebody from out of their farm, outside of their farm, coming and just asking questions and talking through about where you're going, you know, what your plans are for your family succession, you know, what what's really exciting you about what you do. So, you know, having a, that that person look at your business in a slightly different way and just quiz you about it. And was that a free service that MAF provided? It was a free service then, yeah. It underwent a few incarnations after that and um, became a paid service, but at the time it was free. Mm. Mm. Very good. And and do you feel you were able to contribute to their thinking about, you know, how do they... How do they change what they're doing? You know what the, you know how they're farming, but you know perhaps what they were farming. Yeah, um, I can remember one farmer I I I was um, visiting and we were driving around the farm, and I just said to him, you know what's what's the challenge for you now? He had a really well developed farm, a, a good um, sheep stud that was going well. Um, the, the place was a picture and well, really well looked after, and and he didn't say, he, he sort of just brushed that question off, but it was about three or four months later he came back to me and he said, I've really been thinking about that. And so sometimes it, you just ask a question and it gets percolated mm. through and thought about, and then, um, you know, it just helps crystallise a bit of a direction yeah. for personal direction for the couple. Yeah, because mm. yeah. I think that yeah, it's always a risk, isn't it? You, you know, you get so stuck in how you've been doing things and you, you know, some people ignore the need to change. So, yeah, stimulating that's probably an important part of the role. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You've got a lot of life skills here. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk about moving to North Otago. Let's some um, North Otago young man come and sweep you off your feet. Yeah, and the, the local vet actually. Oh. Kevin got a job at Northern Southland Vet Clinic and yeah. um, we were married in the end of 88 yeah. and in March 89 um, we came up to Omaru. So Kevin started work with Simon Lamming at Omaru Vet Services yeah. and I got a job just transferred to Omaru to the MAF office here. Um North Otago was in the teeth of a really bad drought. Mm. So it was kind of, we left, we left Southland. It was beautiful green countryside, came up in the middle of the night and kind of threw a mattress on the floor of the place that we were renting and then pulled the curtains the next morning and everything was just brown out the window. So it was, it was a really tough time. And so a lot of work was government funded, uh, rural support, so going and helping farmers talk with the bank managers, doing budgets, um, kind of, you know, doing what we can to help um, help them protect the pastures and and things, so that when it did rain, that things would get going again. Yeah. So it was a lot of you know future kind of thinking about the future. So it was still for math that you were working. Still for yep. math, yep. yeah, cool. yeah. You came here at a very crucial time then. And what you, your knowledge and your wisdom, you feel like you were able to support and help quite a few farmers transition through that tough time. Well, I think it was quite a team effort at the time too, yeah. because a lot of the um, creditors got on board as well. So the, the the idea is to keep people farming. Yeah. Um, and so and and the government, as I said, was putting money in to help support. So it was. Yeah, I think that it, if anything, it gave people time to think about what their next steps might be. And yeah. so they weren't. But it's such psychologically for people who are farming and want to do the best for their stock and for their land that a drought is so insidious and um, just really saps confidence. And it happens just a little bit incrementally, a little bit more each day. Mm. You know, it gets tougher. So you, um, at some stage, you started family. You know, what what was the order of things? I mean, Kevin obviously bought into the business and so on. But uh, yeah, what, what was life like for the the two of you? Well, we were only ever going to be here for a couple of years. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've heard that about him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so our first child, uh, our oldest boy was born. Patrick was born in '92. So we had a few years working, and um, up until then, and that was really interesting times agriculturally because dairy farming was getting going. The uh, lot of Northland farmers and um, Waikato farmers were coming down and uh, really making use of the border dike land out on the lower Waitaki. Um, yeah, so that was quite an interesting time for the community. And, yeah, went back part-time after Patrick was born and then I had twins, so that was kind of, you know, I was quite busy after that. And, and then in 96, our youngest boy was born. Very busy time. Mm. Haven't worked a day since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you've got involved in the community too. So from staying a couple of years and obviously buying into a vet practice and then yourself getting involved in the community, then must, has that always been, you've always got involved where you are or did you just take a like in the community and see some needs that needed to be filled or how did that it all come about? Well, a lot of it, and probably previous guests have said the same thing. Often, it's somebody else that that prods you to yeah. to do something or see something in you to it and helps you get involved. So I, um, Patrick was born and I, I wasn't working, and Father Winders rang me and said, uh, "Would you like to be on the board of?" Well, it wasn't really a question. <laughs> you are on the, the board, board of yeah. Saint Saint uh, Joseph's School yeah. as the proprietor's rep. And so I started, that was really a leap into governance, a governance area, and I was involved in that um, school board right through till about 2009, something like that, you know, off and on. I had a maternity break for twins. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a lot of effort over those years, um, and, yeah, steering St Joseph's along, and, yeah, that was an important school. Mm. of course, for the district, um, being the, the only Catholic primary school. So, yeah, did you enjoy those times? I did. I did. I learned a lot, actually, and I think the school is a, a really important community in its own right, but it's an important part of the community also, and all all the schools are like that. Um, and it just um, it's interesting from a governance perspective because you're there as a parent, but you're there for all all children. So, you know, the agenda gets left at the door and you're there thinking about what's best for the school and for education of all students in the school. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, that was your first step in governance. And then, yeah, when, when did you get – did that help – um, build some passion in you to, to do more governance roles or was it an accidental journey? Uh, it, well, I suppose it was serendipitous, um, uh, but I was really interested in improving and the um, the School Trustees Association ran governance courses and things like that, so I, you know, I started to learn a little bit about it. But um, whatever, you know, the, whatever you face on a school board is... Um, really good preparation for, for governance in the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm sure you, you share of many crises and, uh, and just the, the, the whole financial challenges of balancing the budgets and, and you know, unlimited funding. Yeah, but great support, you know, mm. we're great parental support and, um, and good teachers and, you know, I, I think that really makes a big difference. So... You want to work with a few different um, principals at the school and then a few different um, priests or fathers that have come along. So you remember a few of those that you've probably worked alongside? And Yeah. Um, worked with, uh, let's see, four or five principals. Yeah. Principals. And, um, um, you know, each principal contributes what they can to, to taking the school forward again as well. So, you know, that's always interesting and kind of adjusting to different management styles as a board. You know, you've, you're there to allow the principal and to, to 
to um, do his, his or her work um, and, and you're there in a kind of governance and accountability role, but also that, that you're working collaboratively mm. also. So um, Father Wayne has been the, the parish priest for most of the time, but we had two or three others yep. at the time. Yep. Yeah. And you, so all your kids went through St Joseph's? Yes, and yep. then on to yep. St Kevin's. Yeah. Yeah, so all educated here. Yep. Yeah. And so from um, St. Joseph's, I got a phone call from Lindsay Malcolm. There was a vacancy coming up on the uh, Network Waitaki board and he asked if I put my name in the hat for that. And that sort of was a step for me, a big step change into the governance of an organisation like Network Waitaki. Quite a commercial role and also that whole you know contractor type you know, uh, infrastructure manager um, type business, really. So, yeah, what 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 were, what were the big challenges for you stepping into that role? For me, stepping into that role, um, probably you get on the learning curve about the distribution industry and the electricity industry as a whole. Uh, I found one of the biggest challenges was staying on the road because. If there was something interesting like power poles, substations, transformers, you know, it often get a little bit waylaid and turn to look at things. <laughs> so you had to be really careful about that. Um, uh, so, uh, and, and just learning in general, it's a, a highly regulated industry, but, you know, being a monopoly in a community. It's also owned by a consumer trust, so it's a bit different from a community trust. And in and, and keeping that relationship with the trustees as well as consumers. So, you know, it's just a really interesting business in our community. Mm, absolutely. And, yeah, such a critical one. And obviously, you know, it's it's different here to a lot of places. Um, some of the other places sold off their network companies and, and you know, we kept ours. But, yeah, um, what, what's some of the really positive things that that job brought to you, that role? Uh, well, a lot of satisfaction actually in in seeing the growth of um, us, the the companies supporting growth in the area. So the dairy industry started to really boom, and we had to keep just in time uh, ahead of of the development with the assets, so that we weren't investing too much too soon, but but doing it prudently, um, just to support the electricity demands of. Um, centre pivots and overhead um, irrigation as well as the requirements for, you know, electricity requirements for dairy sheds and things. So, and, and of course, the development all happened in areas, quite tight areas as well, so Lower Waitaki, Upper Waitaki, and then um, when Noik happened, supporting Noik, and then all the way through sort of the North Otago hinterland. <laughs> Yeah, because that was a big scheme. So, so what, yeah. when, when were you appointed onto that board? Two thousand and seven. Right. So it would have been yeah. You definitely coincided with that start up of Noik, the um, you know, really getting into the yeah. You know, and I, I I know as they, it was being developed, trying to decide where pipelines should go. You know, because it wasn't certain who was going to be wanting water and you know. You might need a pipeline to to go to one area, but if that was the only farm, how big did you make the pipe because of other farms around it? So I guess electricity supply would be the same sort of thing. You'd have to try and second guess where things were going to go. Yes, exactly. It's it's exactly the same. Well, infrastructures are like that full stop. How much do you invest for now and how much do you build for what's in the future as well? And certainly seemed to have worked out quite well. <laughs> it has worked out well. <laughs> yeah. I think for North Otago that development of irrigation has been a step change for the town, that there's a, a, a steady revenue in the hinterland that kind of channels through Omaru and, and Omaru businesses. Uh, so it means that we've got great shops, we've got great services, we've got cafes and restaurants and we've got the the bones of what then you know can overlay tourism into that as well, but having 
having that kind of steady revenue in the hinterland is really important for the town. And network Waitaki, I think, you know, a lot of consumers really appreciate getting the, 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 the discount or the refund, whichever way you look at it. Mm. Um, the, the, essentially a dividend payout once a year. So um, that's carried on, which is really, really uh, a positive thing. Uh, and hopefully we'll carry on into the future. So yeah, um, that, were, were you there when the uh, the grants system also got set up? So um, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I'm involved in um, in community sponsorships and grants and things, and we also set up a a, um, a sponsorship scheme for um, engineers to do electric, like students to go to do electrical engineering or some equivalent. So that to help support their studies, but also to bring them back to the company in the holidays and give them a job as well. Mm. So that's been really um, beneficial. Yeah, certainly on the prize givings, you know, it's it's really cool seeing those young people being awarded um, scholarships to go off learn engineering because mm. it's such a yeah, it's a real shortage in the in the sector. So that's yeah. good. Fantastic. The um, community grants was always a great time too because you see so many people doing so much in the community and um, and it's great to be able to support that. Must be a really rewarding part of that job. Is it's a bit like Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Oh, you're the Omri Santa. There we go. That could be I the, was. That could be the <laughs> I think that's Chris yeah. Dennison now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might yeah. be, but I remember you, so we'll just... Yeah. So, so, yeah... <laughs> You, um, yeah, you, you, you didn't just stay a director, you did become chair at some stage. I did become chair, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how long was that for? Well, I should have done a little <laughs> chronology of my my life, really. Um, uh, I finished in 16, I think it was probably seven years in the chair, mm. something like that. It's quite a contribution. yeah. 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 And did you? And um, yeah, did did you feel like you're be, you know as effective as you could be because you were working in a really regulated uh, industry? Uh, it would have had its restrictions on what you could do, but um, you know, having to work within that was it was it you know quite restricting? Um, the well, the regulations are there for a reason, really. That that a hold the companies to a quality standard, so they make sure that there's only a certain number of outages um, or lost lost um, hours for electricity. So it you know it, there's an incentive for the companies to to um, keep up their maintenance and and make sure that the power stays on. And if it goes off, that it it's doesn't stay off for too long. Uh, that's always a challenge if you've got to go up to Ohau or, um, you know, on the other side of the, with this wee bit of the network that's on the other side of the river. Mm. And so, you know, the, the contractors are, um, that was, um, started off as Netcom, but it's Network Waitaki Contracting now. They, they, that team is a really experienced group of people that can get out and fix things. So, what what else did you get into over the, as far as governance roles? You you, know, you um, got I, a bit involved in a few other things. Yes, yeah, Sport Otago. I joined Sport Otago then, so that's a regional sports trust, and then I chaired that, and I just finished that last year. Um, and what else did I get involved in? Community gardens for a while, and then the. Um, then got on the board of Southport. That was 2016, and I'm still on that. So that was interesting too. So another infrastructure company. Yeah. So it's the port of Bluff at Bluff. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it's interesting from it's here good. that you're on a, a board that's based in Bluff. So you travel a bit for that, or do is everything working remotely, or are you just? Um, mostly we try and try and get together in person, but yeah. of course during all the COVID years we were doing a lot of Zoom meetings and things, particularly yeah. 2020, but the, the 
in general, they try and have three directors who are outside Southland. Yeah. So I'm probably the northernmost southern director or the southernmost northern director, but we've got there's a director from um, Auckland and yeah. there's a few in how does that go? Do they headhunt you or do they, like, how did that come up? So yeah, obviously so you're here, you're based in Omaru, you've done an amazing job with Network Waitaki, you've you've grown your portfolio for governance and then is this just a pool of people, hey, we want you or do they, how did they get in, how do you get into that? Um, I think that was through the Institute of Directors. So yeah. I was, I've been involved in that for quite a number of years mm. and in 2014 I won the Aspiring Director Award for Otago Southland area um, so I was kind of on the IOD books anyway yeah. and um, they were looking Southport were looking at becoming a bit more gender diverse and yeah. and I got a letter inviting me to apply Who so better than the Director of the Year? Uh, certainly, a, it, it kind of a implies great, great a lot award. of knowledge, but you know, I'm I'm a lifelong learner on that one. Yeah, no, well done. Um, and and what do you find you know, most interesting, most rewarding on the, that that particular directorship? Well, again, Bluff is such a fantastic community, and the port is very much part of that community. Um, and it's a listed company; it's the only listed company in Southland. Um, and it's such a great team of people on the board and in management to work with. So I just find it such an interesting board to be involved in. Mm. No, very good. And Sport Otago, we obviously there's um, we have the branch of Sport Waitaki up here. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I spent some time on that trust, and I think it was I might a very have you on that one. rewarding time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, were you? Was did you get into sport Otago because you were interested in sport or and that, or was it because of the management side that you ended up there, or both? Uh, so, really interested in sport, yeah, um, and in community sport. Yeah, um, our, our kids have all been involved in sport, and Kevin and I played sport all the way through. What really. sports? We might as well go into it, eh? Yeah, yeah. What were you known for? What sports have you played? Oh, I played um, hockey, basketball, did a couple of seasons at playing rugby at Lincoln. You played rugby for Lincoln? See, this is the story we Back in last century. Was that that a women's team? It was a women's (laughs) team. Thanks, Gary. (laughs) You might have been that good. Gary, what an inappropriate trial for Canterbury and anything like that? No, 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 no. no. It was quite social Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you've always had a passion for sport? Yes, definitely. Definitely right from through high school and... Yeah. Playing sports, so and and also coming into new into new communities, I started playing um, basketball again and shifting up from Southland. I had been playing hockey down there. It's just a way to get to know people. I mean, we didn't have kids at the time, and so Kevin played rugby for Celsia, and I joined yeah, playing, Celsia, playing basketball. Yeah. Oh yeah. I oh, know they weren't. I oh, know there's Southie netball. Probably wasn't Southie basketball at the time, was it? No, 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 no. Yeah, so um, that you know, you just get to know more people mm. quite quickly. And you're playing anything now, or doing other just independent sort of activities? Oh, that's a good question. I go climbing. I go right. down to the climbing gym. Yeah, yeah. but I'm at the rec centre. Yeah, it's great how they keep adding to that, isn't it? Yes. Can yeah. you do all walls or most? No walls? way. No. 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 No, I'm very much a creature of routine. I've got my wee favourites. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Like, they'll be good for, I guess, fitness, strength, um, agility, those sorts of things. Yes. Yeah. You've got to be fairly, fairly nimble. Because you've got to think of nothing but that next each handhold. You wouldn't be thinking of profit and loss and, and things like that as you're climbing, do you? Is that what it's good for? No, I don't really think of profit and loss much <laughs> <laughs> unless I have to. Yeah. But um, uh, I, the things I don't I do are not so difficult that I have to concentrate oh. quite that much. Yeah, you yeah. don't go um, out to Elephant's Rock and around the boulders there or anything. I've been out there. Yeah, I've been out there before and yeah. down to Long Beach too. There's some outdoor climbing down there. What do you prefer, indoor or the outdoor? I like to do more outdoor. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I joined joined the Alpine Club 
and that's kind of led to me. I'm now the president. We're the, not surprised. Of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good. So you're you're bringing up these four kids. You getting into governance roles and so forth. So, yeah. so what was family life like for you? Um, you know, were you living out in the countryside? Yeah, so we just live um, just south of Omaru towards Kakanu. We've got a bit of a small block of land there. Uh, hectic would be the probably the word for family life because mm. um, Kevin was really busy vetting and the, the practice was growing dramatically over that time too. But um, Omaru... You know, the size of Omaru, there's so much on offer. On Thursdays, I think the kids did about three shifts of where they were going. There was piano, speech and sports practices and kind of drop people off and shuttle and pick up and wait and, yeah. you know, eventually we've got dinner. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's that's yeah. kind of the lovely thing. If you're in a big a big community, a big city... If you lived in Auckland, that you you would have to choose what you wanted to do because on a Saturday, children could be playing in you know four corners of Auckland yeah. and just organising that Nomaro. It was you know mm. very central. It's great. Yeah, and certainly good to expose kids to a whole lot of a whole range of activities. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good, and um, yeah, the, as you say, the practice was growing a lot. So um, there's a new branches opened over that time? Yes, yeah, so um, kind of just didn't all happen at once, but just organically started to grow and service various rural centres. Mm. So, yeah, there's um, about five, five clinics. Yeah. 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 No, very noticeable around the place. And Seven. Yeah. Seven. Seven. <laughs> yeah, seven. Missed a couple. That's all right. And I know you bring in some new, like brand new vets straight out of uni and that as well and train them up and that must be rewarding, or the clinic does. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not, I'm probably not qualified to speak on no. on everything that happens at the vet clinic, okay. but but we do, yeah, yeah. we do. And um, and the, the good thing is when vets come back, come back to the practice as well. So, you know, often they'll come, first job out of uni, work for a couple of years and then go overseas, and that's kind of been stymied for the last few years. So, you know, there's a bit of heading away overseas at the moment, yeah. uh, but there's also overseas vets that are starting to come back to the country as well. So, yeah. you know, we benefit from that. Yeah. And you got a few animals on the property? Yeah, we've got beef cattle on our property. Right. Well yeah. looked after, I'm sure. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah in the sun today, so they'll be enjoying that. Right, yeah. That's gone full circle, though. You, you can you advise yourself on what your next, you know, <laughs> if that's going well, then what do you see as your next challenge on the farm? Do you sit down and have those talks with yourself or you? Yeah, uh, I might do, but I probably don't listen. No, no, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that we're, we're doing now is starting to plant more natives. We've got a bit of land alongside the um, Awamoa Creek, so, you know, that's a plan to, it's all fenced off, but to plant that out. And so I'm really interested in, in what No Slam are doing mm. around the area as well with their planting. So, yeah. You know, I think it's just an evolution. An evolution. Yeah, there's a few of those wee native walks starting up. There's yeah. one at Five Forks, Lyndon and Jane String, they've mm. got one. And it's, it's great. It's fantastic for the community. Yeah. No, there's, it's good seeing farmers you know, doing some of these initiatives, you know, then it's, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a requirement around farm management generally, but, um, you know, just, just such a good thing, particularly on areas where, you know, there have been trees cut down and so on, but you've got this new planting happening and, and replacing some of that and looking after the, the waterways better. Mm-hmm. So well, I think, I, I think it's quite interesting, like there, there is a disconnect between rural in urban New Zealand, mm. and I think the the more that the rural area tells the stories about what what they are doing and why they're doing it, you know that they're not there to destroy their business by exploiting it. They they want a business, they want their property and the life to be able to be passed on. So you know they they work hard to um, to make it a sustainable business. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, just going back to Sport Otago. So, what? Yeah, tell tell us a wee bit about that. The you know what roles you had on the trust there, and um, yeah, what what things you did enjoy. Yeah, so um, so I did end up chairing that as well, and um, I think the thing that I really enjoyed was seeing the the um, contribution. It may uh, the the trust makes to young people um, working in schools, when, and at the time we had a preschool initiative as well about how important fundamental movement skills are to help children and young adults later on be able to um, engage in various sporting activities, and and some of them you know it's play it's play when they're young. And that those kind of skills translate to um, really effective sporting skills. So, you know, eye tracking is one. So, you know, learning how to track an object with your eyes and playing like that means that then you can follow a ball or you can catch a ball and hit a ball uh, because you've just, you know, your body's muscle memory has got that ability in it. And I think that kind of active play... Sport New Zealand are really, you know, it's a big feature of their message out there now is it should be play, it should be fun. Um, and, you, could, you know, I could see that happening. But one of the best, the best things I was involved in was they had the Special Olympics, the country Special Olympics in Dunedin. And I went to the opening ceremony um, and the police were the um, the one of the major supporters for the Special Olympics, or they were then, I'm, I'm not sure now. And so there was police commissioner and and the um, police minister and, you know, the, and the mayor and councillors and everyone sort of sitting along one side of a big corridor and all the teams were coming in, sort of parading, just the joy and the happiness. And there were a couple of young guys and they just ran along, you know, the the big wigs high-fiving yeah. all the way, laughing, you know, having a ball. Great. Like, the enjoyment was fantastic. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, those, those rewarding moments that make it also worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And Special Olympics are on now at the moment, and um, I'm not sure. <laughs> Still getting through the football to be, at the moment, to be, <laughs> yeah, well, and to then be honest. Yeah, yeah. Football coming next year, a few games in Dunedin as well. So, women's be football. Be fantastic. So yeah. Great yeah. for New Zealand. Yeah. Great Looking for forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. So, just on that, you're talking about hand eye coordination from a young age, if they could track a ball or something that developed later in life. So, I know you're probably not a doctor, but you're assuming Gary didn't do a lot of tracking <laughs> of balls and that's the lack of coordination now could stem from that. Is that what you're. That's well, I couldn't. I I have never seen Barry, uh, Barry, Gary get up for a bat of yeah. anything. So, well, no one's ever seen him pick a ball or, um, in soccer either. He's on the field, but he just. We're not recording that. That bit's staying in. I'm, I'm just marking the time for that edit. No, we don't need to yeah. that. Yeah. Edit out Barry, won't you? Barry. <laughs> so. So Matching I don't know, North Otago, you know, be representative team for, for softball, you know. Were you? Yeah, stuff oh, like that. That's Basketball back softball was good. Okay, I take that back. What about yeah. you, Damien? No, oh. no, I, 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 I um, Not much good at either. Hail in comparison oh, to Gary's he, he greatness. Does. Gary was a boxer too once, he tells us. <laughs> <laughs> once being the operative <laughs> word. Yeah. yeah. A very no, hand, handy council skill, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. I don't Knowing guess. how to make the sneaky punch sometimes. But anyway, yes, um, you are digressing. So how many trusts or boards or were you on at a maximum? Like when did you get to the point where you're like you were on too much and you had to cut back? And how much, uh, how many boards and trusts and, and do you sit on currently? Um, probably about four, four is a maximum, four or That's five. Enough, yeah. 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 Especially if you're chairing one or two, you know, drop that number down because it's quite a, quite a substantial input from the chair. Yeah. Um, 
how many am I on at the moment? I'd have to think about that. So there's about four. Yeah. 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 So president of the Alpine Club is quite a big job. So but it must be enjoyable though. That oh, it really one. is. Yeah. yeah, it is. And some good people on that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good local people. Anyone you can remember that are. Oh, so this is a national oh, organisation. Oh, national one. You're yeah. On. Yeah. Oh, she's she's climbed to the top. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there, Gary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Snuck that one in. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Oh, so that's that's great. So you must work with some pretty, in that committee, some pretty um, gifted and talented people who have done a lot of extreme, you know, work or walks or adventures. And Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're pretty much all like that except me. Yeah. <laughs> I've done quite a bit of walking, but, you know, that in terms of alpinism, I'm... No, right. that's not me. <laughs> All right, so my apologies. I thought that was at a regional level, but obviously mm. that's national level. You you keep climbing. This is good. Where, what else are you sitting on at the moment? Um, Southport. Yeah. Um, I'm on a committee for Women in Sport Otago, so that's a little working group for kind of creating a network for women and girls who are involved in sport, you know, coaches, athletes, administrators. Okay. So that's... Um, did you talk to Sini when she was back? She's very No, bad. no, I haven't seen, spoken to Sini, but she's yeah. amazing, isn't she? So yeah. she's a great ambassador yes. for that. Like, yeah. And her profile and just who she is. She's fantastic. Mm. Okay, sorry, so that's three, and what's the fourth? Oh, I'm a, a JP, so I'm judicial JP, so I'm yeah. involved in that. Oh, yeah. That can be a fair bit of work at times too. So the, um, yeah. You keep them busy. The kids are grown now. They're all, all yes. left home. Yes, so they're all out and doing, yeah. really. So that's really exciting. Great to watch them kind of head out into the world. Yep. Mm. Any of them head off to Lincoln like mum or? No, oh. and nobody became a vet or no. has yet anyway. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not all, it's not all um, cuddling kittens, that's for sure. No, no, no it's, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's different aspects of it isn't there but um, I guess you know when you're a rural vet it's very much around looking after farm animals and, and it's and so it's very seasonal so when yeah. you know when it's when it's calving it's intense when it's pregnancy testing it's intense so mm. you know there's so many dairy cows out there that um, yeah. that really drives the workload and I suppose you know you'll, you'll be off you know heading off to you know be, be at a board meeting somewhere Kevin will be out all hours doing vetting stuff and so forth. Although is he more management now? Than, yeah, 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 no, he's it's pretty hard on the body. Yeah. So um, he's management. But now. I guess he'll step in and help out where he can. But. Yeah, but as kids were kids were growing up, he would have been away, you know, out, out yeah, was quite, was doing busy, long hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, interesting. I guess the question is, do you feel like a North Otago girl now? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm really, I'm yeah. really proud to say I'm yeah. from um, the Waitaki yeah. and Omaru, and just around New Zealand, the number of people that that um, that say we love Omaru and we'd love to go there, or we've been there, we're going back. You know, it's a it's a town to be really proud of, and a, and a wider community. Yeah. But and it is it is a town and it, but it's people like yourself. You're a very very good ambassador for us. Now you're probably not in the paper every time because a lot of the work you do, you just get on, you judge trust, and it's probably not the most exciting, you know, stuff. But what you do and and how you you're from Bluff to Auckland, from climbing to ports, you know, you're involved and you you um, you role model for. Um, North Otago, what you do. So thank you for that and for females and leadership and in mm-hmm. places of governance. So there would have been times there where you were battling away probably to get into chair positions or something, but you, obviously who you are and, and your character and your and your just your processing and your way to your analytical strength, all of that has held you in very good stead. And I know Network Waitaki and um, Sport Otago, all those places are better off for you mm. being having been involved. So thank you for all of that and being a great ambassador for our district. Thank you. Yeah. You know me so well, Damien. I don't know myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, thanks very much for sharing all of that, Claire. It's really been great having you here.
and just hearing, you know, from someone who has been, you know, not on the front page of the Omru Mail or anything every week, but um, just doing a lot of really good stuff. And, you know, particularly some of those um, more community-oriented roles where, you know, they make a bit of difference and, people, you know, it's not always easy getting people to stand for those roles That's because right. they're, they take up time. They're not always remunerated or not remunerated mm. very much. And, um, you know, it, it's a commitment, but great that you've done that. So thank you. Good. You're hey, welcome, hey. Nama Hinui. I guess if you didn't make the paper every week, you've done something wrong. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, actually, yeah. that's Can't a good point, Can't profits <laughs> drop. <laughs> Chairperson. Yeah. 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 So it's good that you haven't been in the paper every week because obviously you've done well. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming in. Really yeah. appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. I've learned quite a bit more as well. That's pretty much norm for you. Yeah, yeah. it is norm for me. You're coming off a low base, but, you know, yeah. no, well done. No, it's a coordination joke again, Gary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting you back for that. Yeah. No, it's been, um, you know, just enlightening talking to people and you know just finding out more about what they've done and around the community and what what they've done over their life um so far so yeah well i know people like claire the right person in the right place can is is fantastic you only need to have the wrong person on a committee or on a and things can go tough but someone like claire and obviously she's been recognized around new zealand now so she has the goods, and mm. I'm making it official. It doesn't have to be 50 years. I think I have the power. We've, we've adopted her. She is North Otago royalty now. She is one of ours. Can you put the rubber steel on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, to, be, to be fair, I would have done that probably, you know, 15 years ago. But, uh, you know, now that, now that, that it's that, been done on the podcast, well, it has more yes, stature. Obviously, obviously yeah, yes. Yeah. No. Um, so, anyway, time good. to wind it up. Yeah, okay, we'll wind it up. But, um, yeah, no, I enjoyed talking to Claire today. And, yeah, um, just the fact she's so busy. It's fantastic. Mm. Yes. Doing what she loves. Yes. All right, we'll catch you. Thanks Go. very much. Bye.